Hi, I'm Emily. Hi, I'm Katie. And you're listening to Truly Random Thoughts. Today we're talking about one of the books that formed my personal taste for strange cultural artifacts, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Over the course of the episode, we talk about the logistics of being a vampire, our strange relationship to Civil War history, and the inexplicable career of author Seth Graham Smith. Katie, I have a question for you. If you were presented with the opportunity to live forever, but you had to feast on human flesh in order to do so, would you take that opportunity? Wait, am I eating people or drinking blood? Is there really a difference? Well, one you chew and the other you don't. Oh, okay, that went in a completely different direction than I was imagining, but okay, I'll follow you there. I mean, according to our book for today, vampires can just drink blood without their victims being dead. Well, I feel like that's all vampires, right? There's no, it's zombies that eat people. We would never feast, we'd just have sips. nibble. <laughs> Um, also, I feel like blood banks exist, and I feel like if you've been around as long as a lot of these people are, I mean, a huge part of the thing is they have money because they've been around for forever. So you just like you're like, hey, Red Cross. <laughs> you're so right. <laughs> the modern vampire could live in luxury. Okay, well then, in that case, would you want to live forever? No. Um, I can't imagine living for forever. Especially with, like, global warming. I'm not really a heat person. <laughs> so, I feel like... Also bad for vampires. So, the yeah. sun, you know. So, we're talking about Seth Graham Smith's 2010 novel, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. And also, I mean, of course, two years later, um, he helped with the screenplay. He wrote the screenplay for the Tim Burton-produced film that came out in 2012 to completely different stories so this came out after seth graham smith wrote pride and prejudice and zombies and he kind of he was the founder of like this mashup genre that proliferated for a hot second and i feel like that's gone and i'm kind of sad about it but like so he did pride and prejudice and zombies and abraham lincoln vampire hunter in 2015 he came out with a sequel to Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter called The Last American Vampire, which is about Henry Sturgis, who appears in this book. Um, So he's kind of the king. He's considered the king of this genre. Um, But I remember being in college and my dear friend recognized that I was getting into this genre and bought me a book called Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters. Yes. (laughs) So like other people kind of carried the torch and it was really popular for a while, but I don't think it's popular anymore. No. um, My question is, so I'm reading the Wikipedia of The Last American Vampire and well, this is one of the things I wanted to bring up. But apparently Lincoln's horrified of becoming a vampire, and then he jumps out a window and burns himself to death. Um, (laughs) But he's supposed to be, like, alive in, like, the 60s in the first book. Oh, no. You're saying he backtracks? Yeah. So then apparently he, like, he's dead. And then the last portion of this book has Henry meeting Alexei Romanov, also a vampire. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, there's a another book I read. I don't remember what it was, but Alexei Romanov was a vampire in that one, too. Maybe it's all real. So, I mean, where should we begin? Seth Graham Smith. Did you know that his first ever book was a history of the pornography industry? I did not. So there's just a hot fact for you. So when I Googled him... Um, I found out that he was a writer for Dark Shadows, the movie. Yep. And then did the Lego Batman movie, like wrote that with other people. Really? That was a mind boggler. He also like executive produced the Lego Ninjago movie. And and then um, was executive producer on the second it and uh, just a producer on the first it. 
Yeah, he's like he also has a lot of writing credits on like famous comic books, and he has a writing credit on the new Beetlejuice sequel that's coming out. Oh, I had not heard of Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter until the movie came out in 2012, and I, I saw it. Going to say you hadn't heard of Abraham Lincoln, and then you're going to like, I had no idea. Let me know how you <laughs> found out about Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> I was so excited. That is actually one of the reasons I love this book. I mean, we're history majors and like history nerds. And I just really appreciate the way that he, it's like crazily well researched. Yeah. This, <laughs> as people who try to do a history podcast, we can tell you it takes a lot of research to do a very, very small amount of recapping history like mad respect and like the way he manages to mash it all together it's very convincing and like you lose yourself between like sometimes he's telling you like straight historical facts and then he just throws in a zinger about vampires (laughs) and if you're not watching you might believe him (laughs) (laughs) i feel like there's also like quotes from um like speeches and Things where he's like pulling and then he's like he meant or like he was talking about vampires to like this actually really does seem like it could be about vampires when you <laughs> say it that way. And I also love all of the pictures throughout the book that he has yes. photoshopped to look make it look like I mean that I actually think it's that is both the confusing and the great part about the book because apparently this is a, a, the best kept secret in history that Lincoln was a vampire hunter and like nobody discovers it until in our introductory chapter we're given the frame narrative in which Seth Graham Smith speaking as himself as the author tells us the story of how this vampire walks into his shop and like gives him a bundle of notebooks that just happen to be Abraham Lincoln's journals and now he has to write the story of them. So nobody knows about it and yet... There are all these photographs that exist that clearly demonstrate that he was a vampire hunter of him like holding their heads and like the one like the the cartoon of like all the slaves chopping off the heads of the vampires like this was just circulating. Yeah, especially because like, you know, back then a photograph took a minute. Right. So they were just standing there for a while. Standing there holding a head. So anyway, I hadn't heard about it until 2012, where I, like, during the summer of 2012, I was living in D.C. I was actually living on George Washington's estate at Mount Vernon in, like, my one internship out of school, (laughs) in school, where I was, uh, I had to dress up like a revolutionary era farmer every day and farm, and uh all the other interns and I went to go see this movie and we used to practice with the axe on the farm (laughs) trying to do the thing where he like twirls it in the movie. (laughs) I feel like that could have ended so badly. (laughs) It really, really could have. But that same summer after we saw the movie, that's when I bought the book and like basically devoured it. There are also... Speaking of, like, picture evidence, there's picture evidence of me standing up during dinner hour reading the book in a corner (laughs) while everyone else is hanging out. (laughs) Oh, no, I love this genre. It's so great. So I found this book, I'm pretty sure, at Costco. Um, (laughs) and And I also found the Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies at Costco. Those were big. I would, like, go with my mom to Costco, and I'd be like, I'm just going to casually look at the book section, and then I would, like, leave with three books. (laughs) Like, you get your four-pound bag of popcorn, (laughs) I get my three books, everyone is happy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I've seen the movie Pride and Prejudice and Zombies with Lily James, which mm -hmm. is, like, looking back, wow, that's amazing casting, but I've never read the book. Is it, so what is it, what is that book like? I have not read it uh, since right before the movie came out. Because I think I think I had the movie, like, you know when they have the copy of the book that has, like, the movie characters on the front, or, like, the actors. So I think I saw both of those movies at a cinema grill with my family. 
I feel like a lot of the movies that we've watched, I first saw at uh, Cinema Girl. <laughs> that was like my parents like baller move they're like yeah you can have chicken strips and watch a movie and we get almost two hours of silence that is a great move and it's one of those things where it's not like watching a movie at home because like you have to stay in your seat or you know right you're not getting your chicken nuggets but yeah (laughs) so we have both read this book and watched this movie so what do you think tell me your thoughts okay so I was really, I had never really realized until reading the book and watching the movie in such close proximity, just how different. I mean, so Graham Smith wrote the book and the screenplay, and it's almost like he wrote two completely different stories, which is wild. We're focusing more on the book today, but just a quick overview of the film is, uh, like, it's it's amazing. It was, (laughs) so it was produced by... Tim Burton, and it looks like Tim Burton, absolutely, mm-hmm. and it was directed by someone I've never heard of, Timur Bekmambetov. I'm sure I'm slaughtering that name, and I also can't find anything else that he's ever done. <laughs> but the cast of the movie is like they weren't famous at the time, but they have become really famous. Um, Abraham Lincoln is played by J- Benjamin Walker, who is now playing the elf king in the new rings of power adaptation is that why you (laughs) wanted us to read this book and watch this movie (laughs) so it would come full circle that is the only reason (laughs) um his friend will johnson who does not appear in the book it's a completely made-up character is the new um captain america right he's the one who takes over yeah but is also like was friend or like Abraham Lincoln's, I think, page in real life. So, like, still historically accurate. Oh, really? Yeah, I Googled that. Oh, before Because I was like, nice. did I not, like, I didn't realize it was so different. And I was like, did I not read this book well? Because I do not remember <laughs> this dude. Um. So, also in the movie, so his one friend is Will Johnson, played by Anthony Mackie. Uh, the other is Joshua Speed, who is in the book and is played by... Jimmy Simpson, yes, whom I love, <laughs> and who is amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, he's Mary. What a treasure! He's in uh, Westworld. He's in Westworld. I was trying <laughs> for whatever reason the it's always sunny in Philadelphia. I literally could not think of that. <laughs> it just blanked. Anyway, he's amazing. In the movie, he's like he betrays Lincoln. He's like, there's like a rivalry between him and and uh, Anthony Mackie. And well, I mean, only in Jimmy Simpson's mind. But like <laughs> he gets jealous of this other friendship, of this childhood friendship and like betrays Lincoln to the vampires at the end. So that doesn't happen in the book. Or in real um, life. <laughs> or in real life. Rufus Sewell? Sewell? How do you say his last name? I don't Rufus I'm Sewell? never good at this. I think it's Sewell. So he plays a also completely not in the book character named Adam, who is apparently the father of all vampires. Makes sense. Tracks. Um, <laughs> but like Rufus Sewell is in this movie. <laughs> what is he doing there? Uh, and then Mary Todd is played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who is now Ewan McGregor's wife. Did you know that? No, the mind is boggled. This is the first movie that I saw her in, and I became, like, mid-key obsessed. Did you know that she's, like, a singer, too? And no, yeah, really? Um, I used to listen to... She had a song that I think came out when I was in Ann Arbor. And so she was in um, the new, like, Harley Quinn movie. And um, one of my personal favorite movies, which is... The one with um, <laughs> Scott Pilgrim. Yes. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. <laughs> yes. Um, which is also a fun video game, in case you're wondering. But she was in that, and she's been in... Did you ever watch Sky High? No, but I remember when it came out. Uh, that was another movie that I saw at the... Um, uh, the Grill. Cinema Grill. <laughs> I feel like I need to come up with a list. I feel like this this is a good autobiography for you. Like your she went in eight movies, <laughs> your life through the cinema girl. 
If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to subscribe to Truly Random Thoughts on Apple Podcasts and visit our show notes to find a list of all the books and movies we mentioned in today's episode. If one of those titles catches your eye, making a purchase through our Amazon affiliate links will help defray the costs of producing the show and help us keep the conversation alive. Um, so yeah, and the last big name is uh, Dominic Cooper, who plays Henry Ooh. Sturgis. And when we were watching, I was watching the movie with my husband, Ian, and I was also texting you and I got a little distracted and I looked up at one point and I was like, wait, do we know that he's a vampire yet? And Ian, who has not seen this movie in a very long time, was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) But you can understand my confusion because we know that he's a vampire literally right away in the book. Like, that's not even a question. Well, it is when... He's coming to the convenience store thing at the beginning. Right. Um, but that's, that's like less than 20 pages in. But like in the movie, it's this whole thing where like Lincoln goes a long time hunting vampires, not knowing. And then he finds out and like, it's a big oh, I remember that. Like conflict in their character. Whereas in the book, it's like three seconds while Lincoln's lying in bed recovering. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, you're a vampire. And he's like, I know, check it out. And they talk it out. And then they're Check fine. it out. <laughs> like, like Fergie. <laughs> but I don't even remember what that song is. The dun, 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 dun. <laughs> okay. That just apparently uh, is rent free in my head. <laughs> yeah. So his father in the movie, his father is, com- they completely lean into him being a villain. And it's his mother who teaches him that slavery is wrong. Whereas in the book, it's like complex right his father mm-hmm. is kind of a layabout but he is also like the abolitionist in the movie the anthony mackie character kind of introduces lincoln's abolitionist thought early on to make it a thread through the movie whereas in the book the book is actually like i found the book to be kind of problematic in some ways <laughs> Um, yeah, for example, very early on, Lincoln is talking about the slaves and he remembers Henry saying, don't judge all vampires the same. And like Lincoln is talking about the slaves and he's like, don't judge them all the same. And I was like, okay, you're comparing the slaves to the vampires. This does not seem okay. (laughs) Yeah. There's also the part where like he was talking about how like he knows they're not equal and like, I don't know if I would just be throwing that in a book. I mean, he should have at least dealt with it. That's straight history, but like he never circles back to talk about that. (laughs) He's never like, I've changed my mind. Like, I I mean, I don't know. I feel like if you're going to introduce fiction to it, I feel like maybe... Or maybe the narrator could have said, he was only a man of his time and could not see... Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. But also, so... I haven't done any Civil War history uh, since college and like junior year. And so I feel like now, now as an adult historian uh, who just does this on the side, I pretty much only read like European history. So I just <laughs> completely had forgotten. Uh, I feel like a large chunk. I know, like the Kansas Nebraska Act, Bleeding Kansas. I had forgotten all about that. Um, yes, I had also completely forgotten our <laughs> good, good friend. <laughs> Wait, I, I feel like, yeah, this passage deserves an honorary reading in our podcast, I think. Um, I would like to introduce this entire thing by saying that I took us, like, highlighted it in my kindle and sent a picture to emily and i was i think it took you like an hour to respond and the whole time i was just like like evil like like i don't know how to describe this like where you like tap your fingers together um just waiting and my mom texted me and i was like ha ha thinking it was you and then i was like oh yes hi mom (laughs) it's so good it's like it's amazing yeah i feel like i must have read this before that, that and I, I was never great at paying attention 100% in class, so I feel like I forgot that his name was Charles Sumner, um, and I, I forgot I don't even... as I was reading that line until it was like the, the second part of that, and I was like, oh my god, it's the same dude! <laughs> so what happened is 
Katie and I were both history majors, and we took the class on the Civil War together. I would like to preface this by saying that even though this class was called Civil War, we only spent three days actually covering the Civil War. There was about many weeks beforehand that talked about everything leading up to it. It's and then what, three days. 14 talking. weeks? Because uh, a semester yeah. is 15 so, weeks? 16 weeks in the semester, yeah. something so like that. So 14, 15 weeks of just talking about pre-civil war and <laughs> civil war class so it was probably like eight weeks of pre-civil war three days of the civil war and then seven weeks of Post. reconstruction yeah and by the way there was a class called reconstruction <laughs> uh, but you know i just remember when we were talking about this just someone who had taken it with a different professor and they were like you didn't talk about like it was like whatever and like we didn't talk about the civil war <laughs> It was like we got this like 900 page textbook and then it was like just read just read about it there i'm like i'm sorry wikipedia <laughs> exists so i'm just gonna go read that now thank you goodbye you know about the civil war it's fine yeah so anyway in the preamble to the three days talking about the civil war we did cover charles sumner getting beaten to a pulp with on a the cane Senate floor i remember that cane. our beloved professor told us straight faced that the truth of the matter was Charles Sumner was beat to death on the Senate floor with a cane from which he um, suffered such terrible injuries that he was he was forced into a coma and for he, three years for three years <laughs> he stayed in that coma and then one day he woke up from the coma and returned to his work as a senator <laughs> casually because I'm sure his term wasn't finished yet Dear listener, is it possible that someone could live for three years in a coma during the Civil War without feeding tubes? I don't know. I mean, first of all, this is just falsehood. Do you think that our professor, looking at this, like looking back, and so I also teach and I really struggled with my words today. Do you think that he just used coma when he really meant like rest bed? (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, but... So remember, he used to just drop random things in to see if you had done the reading. This was just the yeah. most egregious one. This was like, are you paying attention? And I don't think anyone was because no one raised their <laughs> hand. And they're like, excuse me, sir, what are you talking about? I guarantee you that if I went back into my notes, I would find Charles Sumner in coma for three years in my notes. Oh, so. um, I am 100% sure it's in mine because I didn't find out that this wasn't real until <laughs> we were studying for the final in the parking lot of a Kroger. I'm opening up my cinnamon Teddy Grahams to only to find out when one of our other classmates was like, I think I was like, yeah, he's in a coma. And she was like, and then I was like, oh my god, my life forever changed. So imagine our glee when on page 216, he makes an appearance in which we find out that uh, Senator Charles Sumner lay unconscious on the Senate floor, face down in a pool of his own blood. The blows fractured Sumner's skull and vertebrae. He would live but wouldn't be able to return to the Senate duties for three years. When South Carolinians heard of the attack, they sent Brooks new canes by the dozen. Those are the straight facts. Well, the straight facts from a vampire novel. <laughs> <laughs> so the the takeaway is that this vampire novel filled in the gaps that were not filled in by our 300 level history class. <laughs> but you know what? Maybe he really did goof on his words because it's still three years. It is three years. His neck and vertebrae were damaged. Like, that will do something. Or his skull. So, like, that's why I'm saying, like, maybe he was confined at home for three years. And the best that midterm professor, who I won't mention for sake of... But we love in case he's listening. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Long time no chat. Hope you're well. (laughs) Maybe the, like, only word his brain could reach for was coma. Just like when I was trying to talk about how a character in a novel I was teaching today climbed up a mountain, I almost said that he clomb because I could not think of the past tense 
for climb. <laughs> um, my brain frequently doesn't work. I always just blame it on, like, I'll say something and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I haven't had enough coffee yet. Or like, I haven't had coffee yet. Even if I've had like as much coffee as really any human should consume. <laughs> like, maybe it's just the lack of coffee. We're going to blame it on that. I always do. So maybe maybe as we mature, we come to have some perspective about Mr. Maybe this is the closing. This is a, a moment of closure for us with Senator Charles Sumner. <laughs> so this book opens up with young baby Abraham Lincoln. And he... <laughs> Babe um, Lincoln. <laughs> Babe Lincoln. Babe Lincoln. He is um, born in Kentucky. And his father moves him and his family around because he, like, keeps staking a claim in the American West, which hilariously is now the Midwest, was Indiana. (laughs) Uh, And he keeps not actually having legal documents, and so they're moving around. They eventually pass through Pigeon Creek, Indiana, which is very close to where Katie and I are from. I did not know that. By very close, I mean like in the same state. I'm pretty sure it's south. (laughs) Um, Fort Wayne did come up in this book. I highlighted (laughs) it. Um, Yes. So if you're not from this area, we have on our signs that Indiana is Lincoln's boyhood home. Yes. Because he wasn't born Not even his birthplace. Nope. Not his birthplace, just his boy. (laughs) He hung out for a while. Um, and then bounced like many people do. This is literally the best thing that Indiana can claim about itself. That or the crossroads of America. Yes. The crossroads of America is on our license plates because that is the thing we are proud of, that people drive through our state. <laughs> as quickly as possible, they drive through. Um, so Pigeon Creek is like just north of Evansville. Close to Santa Claus, yeah. Indiana, if you and French Lick. Thank you, Google Maps. Oh, to be a Hoosier. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, Emily, uh, what's your fantasy football name? <laughs> my fantasy football name. So this is like a new thing for me. This is my first year playing fantasy. So here's what happened. All the men in the family needed more people in their league. And so they co-opted all the women and were like, ha, ha, ha. We're just going to beat them all. It's fine. But I could not let that happen. So I'm taking this very seriously. Um, my team name is Hoosier, like the Indiana resident daddy. So Hoosier daddy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fairly proud of it. (laughs) It's so good. I, 10 out of 10. Um, so my fantasy football name, because we're just completely pivoting now. Um, hashtag truly truly random thoughts. (laughs) Um, so I have Darren Waller on my team. I had him last year. And so last year and this year, my team name is Balls to the Waller. And I am it's so, so proud. Before I had Higby, Tyler Higby, who's a tight end on my team. And so I had Higby or not to be. Also proud of that <laughs> one. Uh, I can never get rid of Darren Waller because I need to keep that name. So anyway. Indiana. Indiana. Boyhood home. He uh, is, it's fine. He doesn't, like, his father is not doing a great job, but it's fine. Um, Until his father decides to make a new start and have a farm. And this will make them more money than he has made them in the past. But to have a farm, he needs to put himself into debt. And he decides to do so to a man named Jack Bartz. Jack Bartz. (laughs) Jack Jack Farts. <laughs> His name's Jack. He's a vampire. And uh, he is not able to make that payment because his crops don't come in. And the vampire comes and says, hey, man, it's all good, except for I really need you to pay this back. And if you can't do it with money, there are other ways I can take that payment. And he can't do it with money. And so he basically nibbles a little bit on Lincoln's mom and she it's the you drip the blood in their mouth while they're sleeping that's right but not enough to actually turn them into a vampire Mm -hmm. so she dies and lincoln finds out well he was in he was jay chillin in the porta potty as one does (laughs) while his dad was making this deal so he overheard the whole thing and uh, um, lincoln decides to pledge his life to 
killing vampires and that's going to be his one driving motivation he's a real mama's boy this was like she was the light of his life and so now he's going to he doesn't need anything else in life except for to kill those who caused her death and so he uh, starts training himself to be a vampire and like this is where it also differs from the movie that like that whole thing is like greatly condensed in the movie we don't really get much of his childhood at all whereas it lasts like almost 100 pages in the book I feel like there's more childhood in there than Civil War. (laughs) There kind of is. So in the movie, uh, his mother dies. He lives several years doing just fine. And then, like, Henry Sturgis approaches him in a bar and, like, basically propositions him into being (laughs) a vampire hunter. And then, like, there's a training sequence. And then there's, like, this great scene. Do you remember this? Where it's, like use your hate (laughs) as your strength and lincoln is like i hate vampires i hate this i hate that and he's like no you have to like really find what you hate and he's like i hate that i wasn't able to save my mom (laughs) he like runs the axe through the tree all in one stroke and like the tree explodes and it's this great tim burton graphic effect but uh this does not happen in the book in the book he trains himself he reads a lot of books about vampires He's not great at spelling because he's never really gotten a formal education, but he's doing his best. And um, he he makes his axe covered in silver. No, in the movie, it's covered in silver. That's also different. In the movie, silver is the greatest good for killing vampires. In the book, it's stakes, wooden stakes. light to blind them. And light to blind them. And the axe, for whatever reason. Oh, you take their heads off. That's what mm-hmm. it is. The axe <laughs> takes their heads off. So in the book, he uh, he's able to kill Jack Bartz like right away, whereas in the movie, it's like that's another like huge conflict. He wasn't successful the first time, and so he has to train to do it right later on. But he goes by himself for a long time in the book, and then one day he is he's gotten a little too big for his britches. He's trying to kill this like old lady vampire down by the river. Doesn't go well. Henry shows up and uh saves his life and then we get henry who like trains him actually in the way of vampires our mr miyagi moment exactly (laughs) from then on he just kills vampires and Mm -hmm. uh it's the rest is history until he falls in love which in the movie is immediately with mary todd and in the book there is a detour with anne rutledge and um the part where he says that he doesn't even love his wife as much as he loves Anne. Yep. Like, okay, that's that's sad. That just feels like really pointed for Mary Todd, who went through a lot. Yep. So I don't know. In the book, it's like kind of a straightforward path through his life. Uh, it's divided into like the, the three parts: boy, vampire hunter, president. So like, he hunts vampires, and eventually he falls in love. And eventually he gets married to Mary Todd, who he first, he broke off their engagement because he needed, he like realized it was bringing in her into a dangerous life. But then. No, he, remember it's her dad is in oh, league yeah. with the vampires. Yeah, that's right. You're right. We also missed that everyone he ever loves has been killed by a vampire. It's like <laughs> everyone. A, it's Every back in the person. 1800s, people died a lot. But it was like, just kidding, vampire slayed, like slayed by a vampire. His first love, Anne, was engaged to another man. And Abraham Lincoln, like an idiot, <laughs> sends the guy a letter and is like, hey, I know you mysteriously disappeared and no one has seen you since, but one, I can find your address, and two, <laughs> I'm going to say, release Anne. And then he comes, he does the fool oh, the fool's dose, which is yep. where you drip vampire blood in their mouths, <laughs> dead uh, in a while. But yeah. It's a beautiful picture, and my only note while reading this entire book was I, like, highlighted that picture, and I was like, horrifying picture. It's like if you haven't slept for 10 years, and (laughs) you are a character in a Tim Burton animated movie. Uh, Yeah. And then Lincoln's, like, got his head, like, in his hands, and it just kind of looks like he is scared of Anne Rutledge. (laughs) <laughs> as he maybe should be yeah. 
You're right. I've forgotten. It turns out that Mary Todd's father is involved in he he uh, owns a plantation and he is involved in this trade that Lincoln is kind of realizing is taking place in America that because our author has decided that every time someone dies and every time something evil happens in America it's not just natural causes it has to do with a vampire it turns out vampire that slavery causes. is vampire causes not just is slavery evil because slavery is evil <laughs> but it has to be worse it has to be that slavery has been going on because the vampires who came over from Europe to America to find freedom for themselves because things were getting too hard for them in Europe and now they're using slavery as like their personal buffet to harvest people to feast upon and so as long as there's slavery in America the vampires will have free access to food and Mary Todd's father is involved in this trade because the plantation owners are like making some extra money on the side inviting vampires over to feast on their like old sickly weak slaves when they're done using them so after Abe decides that that's I mean he still is in love with Mary Todd who if you've ever looked at a picture of Mary Todd boggles the mind have you ever looked at a picture of Abraham Lincoln (laughs) (laughs) that's totally fair um yeah anyway lincoln decides he's gonna be a family man now and he keeps trying to put vampire hunting aside but henry keeps like pressing him with names um meanwhile he's like taken up with the law and he's getting interested in politics and he thinks slavery is wrong so he's trying to fight that and it turns out that that is a fight not just against you know decency but also against the vampires and um as he gets older well okay so first of all his son dies unrelated to vampire causes Mm -hmm. the first one yes the first one and that devastates him and so that's what kind of makes him want to like get he like has more sons and he wants to become more of a family man um in the movie they say he decides to fight with his ideals instead of with his axe in the book it's like he puts down the sword in favor of the pen and he becomes a politician and like it doesn't go super great doing so until he is invited to a super secret convention in New York full of vampires and he it is revealed to him that there's actually a coalition a union of vampires who are there to fight against the bad vampires who do whatever they want so there are like a bunch of vampires like Henry who by the way I never addressed this is a vampire who uh, doesn't think that the other vampires are living in a very great way um, and thinks if they're going to eat people, they should just eat criminals, basically. So um, there's other vampires like that. And they recruit Lincoln to be their living mouthpiece to fight the other kinds of evil vampires. It's like Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> They also, like, beat him up and, like, knock him unconscious. And then it's like, but we're good, guys. <laughs> like, we just yep. couldn't let you know, you know, where we were. They, like, basically maneuver Lincoln into the presidency. And he starts waging the Civil War. It turns out the the wicked vampires are aligning themselves with the Confederacy, obviously. And they're, like, destroying on the battlefield because that's not fair. That goes on for a while. It's very kind of anticlimactic in the book, actually. Like, that goes on for a while. Eventually, Lincoln wins with uh, with the North and with his other... Like, they're like going over to Europe to get other vampires to participate. And, uh, and eventually, he wins. Whereas in the movie... <laughs> in the movie, they, like, make this big thing out of Gettysburg. It turns... Like, Adam, played by Rufus Sewell leads the vampires in the same kind of fight but they're doing it at Gettysburg and like Lincoln has to decide to use he decides to get all the silver in the country and like there's this big thing where they put it on a train and they're like trying to get it to Gettysburg but this is when Jimmy Simpson betrays him the vampires attack the train but it turns out Mary Todd actually is the one who got the silver to Gettysburg and like Gettysburg is the battle where the vampires are defeated. But 
that doesn't really happen in this book. Is it Antietam that in the book is a bigger deal? Yeah. Because that, after Antietam, that's when Lincoln releases the Emancipation Proclamation. Which I know from this book and not from taking a class on the Civil War. (laughs) Because in another real sense, we did not take a class on the Civil War. (laughs) In a different but very real sense, we know nothing. (laughs) So anyway, it gets to the end of his life. Okay, so like several times, importantly, now now the important conversation. Several times throughout the book, Henry, his vampire bestie, Every time someone he cares about dies has said, yo, man, I could bring this person back. That's one of my gifts. By the way, vampires are totally different in the movie and in the book. In the movie, vampires can't hurt each other. Uh, They need actual people to do that. That doesn't make sense from like a just purely like physical level. (laughs) Like when they're tearing human beings apart and human beings can kill vampires, you would think that they could... Is it like an oath, or are they just like try and like hit, and they, it's like a glass wall, like a mime? It's like wall no, it's situation. like a glass wall. In the movie, it's like a like they can't actually harm each other. Whereas that, that is, is definitely bonkers. Not true. Yeah. Also, like in the movie, we get um, Henry's backstory about how he became a vampire. We do in the, in book the movie. Too. Yeah, well, it's yeah, totally oh, different. Yeah. In the movie, he's just going down a lane of trees with his girlfriend and. Rufus Sewell stops him and, like, attacks them, but he, like, fights back. And so Rufus Sewell turns him into a vampire and tries to turn his girlfriend into a vampire. But, quote, her soul is pure, and so she can't be turned into a vampire. Good to know. Anyway, it's way cooler in the book because Henry is part of the lost colony of Roanoke, (laughs) of which I was totally obsessed as a kid. Because it's completely wild how that, like, they just completely disappeared. Well, and he explains why they disappeared. Vampires. Vampires. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. So Henry has been there all along. And every time Lincoln loses someone, he's like, Which hey, is I constantly. Could. Every 50 pages. Two children. <laughs> his first wife. Or, or sorry. His first girlfriend. Uh, yep. His mom. His sister died, but not because of a vampire. He's pretty sure. His one friend um yeah. loses a hand uh, Armstrong, yeah, yeah. And, and then, then eventually dies from a horse but also related to losing the hand um <laughs> and yeah it's everyone everyone dies it's everyone and henry especially with his sons he's like i can bring mm-hmm. them back from the dead and lincoln is like no that would that would literally create like little chuckies um, <laughs> they would never age uh we can't do that and like even with his girlfriend, he's like, it would bring her into, like, she wouldn't be the same. She would be cold all the time. She would eat other people. I can't really deal with that. It's no kind of life. be hard to, like, make out after she's just eaten a person. And so he's like, I uh, can't do that. And so he keeps refusing. In the movie, Henry offers us the same thing. And on the eve, like, he's about, he's in the Oval Office getting ready to leave for a play you know on april 14th 1865 and uh i love that you know that date off the top of your head <laughs> i've just finished the book not that long ago i did too <laughs> but i don't remember that date i know it's the ides of april and that's the it ides of april um henry's like hey like we could keep doing this forever let me make you into a vampire and lincoln is like no um life is only meaningful because it ends and uh, there are other ways to be remembered, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and like dies. The end. In the book, <laughs> he dies, and then Henry just decides to bring him back as a vampire. But also, after his son died because he was killed by a vampire because of shoddy bodyguards, um, <laughs> He kicks all of the vampires out and says that he hopes yeah. that he never sees a vampire again. Cue less than two <laughs> years later. Good old Henry. I know what Abe would have wanted. I know. He said, he keeps saying that some people are too interesting to let them die. Like, that's why, like, he saved Abraham in the first place. And then, like, that's his line. And then it's like, oh, just turn this, like, 
dude that's so much taller and so recognizable <laughs> into a vampire. Literally maybe the most recognizable figure in American history. Just yeah. walking the streets as a vampire. But don't worry, you give him Ray-Bans, long hair. With long hair, I'm just imagining him as like, what is, he looks like a famous actor in my head. Like, um... In my head, he looks like long-haired John Mayer when he had that face. <laughs> awesome. I'm even <laughs> thinking like Woody Harrelson. Oh, God. We went completely different. <laughs> I can't really imagine in my head Woody Harrelson with hair. Like, I know it was a thing, but in my head it doesn't exist. So I was going to ask you, like, is this okay? That's where the book ends. So many questions. So many questions. Oh, like, yeah. how does Lincoln feel about this? We're given to feel that he's fine with it. Second question, frame narrative, but we should we can talk about that second. First of all, Lincoln, he's just chilling, watching the civil rights movement, seems to be fine, even though he expressly said, stop talking to me, and no, it's not okay to be turned into a vampire after you die. Also, I'm going to assume, just because of the time period, that Lincoln was a Christian, <laughs> so right. I feel like... You know, there's the whole, like, you go to heaven thing, like, you get reunited with all the people that you've lost, and then it's like, just kidding, we're gonna bro out until the end of time. <laughs> I hope you don't miss your family, okay, thanks, bye. He even says, like, I'm looking forward to being, re like, life is no good to me, like, I, all the things that I love are on the other side of death, he, like, says that many times. Yeah, well, there's the, like, he stopped, like, having bodyguards, like, because they were like, and he just welcomes death now <laughs> like <laughs> casually um yeah but yeah no i feel like henry well also so like this is the conversation i wanted to have with you but then you mentioned he wrote a sequel and then it's where he apparently he course corrected and abraham lincoln was like jk bye um but maybe <laughs> here's a question if a vampire takes its own life could Henry have been like, no, bro, and like brought him back again? <laughs> so maybe he did destroy himself in the 50s or whatever. Or no, you said it was the Romanovs. And then maybe later on, Henry was like, I control you. Well, that, <laughs> you can't die on my watch. Um, <laughs> but that that's the end of that book. And so I think it's where it's like as soon as Abraham realizes that he is a vampire. He's like, no. But yeah, that's just no good um, on Henry. He was doing fine until, especially because it wasn't like they had been close as of late. Their entire relationship was like a, th what, three week period and then letters. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, he shows up at all the, conveniently, he shows up at all the deaths. So, hmm. hmm. Yeah. I don't know. There, the question is brought up several times like, hey, Abe, you're just serving your own vampire just like the Confederates are serving theirs. What makes you so different? And like, maybe that's where this ends. I don't know. What makes you so different? Nothing. You're still the vampire slave. <laughs> he controls you. I just feel like there was going to be a cool sequel people freaked out and they're like this would never happen just this this very end bit <laughs> and then he like course corrected for the sequel well especially if he said that lincoln destroyed himself i just i wish that he would have maintained continuity that really bugs me i it uh same um so one thing that i wanted to talk about that we skipped is the fact that uh, Abraham Lincoln and Edgar Allan Poe buddies in this book. Yeah, and Poe has like a weird thing for the vampires. And he's like, isn't it beautiful how they just destroy everything? <laughs> Very <No>. Poe. <laughs> so Poe. But also, okay, this perfect, 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 perfect. If Abraham Lincoln is still alive... Why is Henry giving over his journals that explain yeah. that he's still alive to someone else? No, this yeah. is perfect because I am really unsatisfied that that introductory frame narrative is not completed because giving that dude... It lasts forever. Our author, it lasts forever. 
and it ruins his life. Apparently, Seth Graham Smith divorced his wife in the process of writing this book. I did Google. He did not. He did not. That was, yeah. I wasn't sure how true we were staying to that, but uh, yeah. (laughs) I just, oh man, like that would have been a great story. We assume that it's Henry who showed up. I, I imagine it's Henry who showed up at the beginning to give him the Oh, he journal. says his name is Henry. Oh, he does? Okay. Yeah. I just, I wish that we could circle back to that. I feel like explaining, like at the end, like Henry reading it or like something like, yeah, like yeah. some form of closure, because I kind of forgot it was a frame narrative. I feel like this book was paced oddly. Because the yeah. frame narrative took forever, and then his, like, childhood took kind of forever, and then you get to the point where, like, the Civil War and, like, the war of, like, vampires and verse like, you would think that, that would be one of the more interesting parts of the story. Right. And that's but it's the shortest really part. The point. I wonder if that's what he was correcting in the movie. I wonder if he saw that and was like, okay, we need to make the main conflict about Gettysburg because what's really important is, you know, the Civil War. So really, he should have worked with a better editor for this book. Possibly. <laughs> I, I, or or I, do you think that our history professor read this book and was like, God, this is how the Civil War should be paced. <laughs> exactly right. i mean like and i guess if you're reworking history it makes sense to rework the part that more people are not going to know and so then you kind of like build up like i want to say like (laughs) cachet that like your version of history is correct i mean it is interesting that like everyone he's ever loved has died by the hand of a vampire but i just feel like that could have been like a hundred pages versus sixty-seven percent of the book. Yeah, I agree. I think that the second half is a little disappointing. That um, the idea is good, but the conflict is—he doesn't sustain like a, a continuous conflict through the Civil War. He skips multiple years. Like, <laughs> yes, yeah. I think in. Him getting elected, the Civil War starting, and then the war ending where he, it's like before his inauguration date, it's literally like less than 50 pages. Yeah. He could have done something there. Like he needed a driving. Like that's why I want, that's why I wonder if he created the character of Adam for the movie that was like a driving antagonist. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't, he has his mother's killer at the beginning. And then, like, all of his personal vendettas. But we're not really given his many, many personal vendettas. Many, many. (laughs) I just feel like he needed someone at the end who was like, and by the way, the guy leading the vampires is this guy, you know? And, like, I feel Mm -hmm. like they tried to make that Jefferson Davis, but, like, he's not a vampire. Like, we don't get the vampire behind the vampires. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, like, this, like cloud of vampires that are like fighting against our cloud of vampires Uh, yeah in the movie they can disappear actually they are a cloud oh how fortuitous (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i just remember that movie being dark brightness wise (laughs) yep it's low contrast and it's all the tim burton colors I didn't know until we started talking about it for this that it was Tim Burton, but now it makes sense. I just rewatched Dark Shadows, like maybe two weeks ago, and I feel like in my head, even Dark Shadows is like brighter, like color wise <laughs> than Abraham Lincoln Vampires. Kind of. Or yeah. yeah, kind of. Did you know? That one of the, like, the, in fact, perhaps driving producer that made the movie of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies happen was Natalie Portman. No. Good for her. She's had a wild career. I love it. Yeah. If she's a PhD. Yeah. She dropped out kind of out of acting for a long time, recently resurfaced in a role I was excited about, and then 
super disappointing, although her biceps were not disappointing. I'm and sorry, what movie are we talking about? <laughs> she So she reappeared in Thor Love and Thunder to reprise oh. her role as Jane, and it was a terrible movie. I almost watched that this weekend, but I wasn't ready for my heart to be broken, <laughs> so I saved it for another day. Yeah. Her biceps are truly a thing of beauty. Like, she got ripped. Oh, there was um, an ad with uh, Viola Davis and her new Oh, yeah, the, her new... Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's it, a scary... <laughs> it, was, it was, like, an ad about them, like, their whole workout routine. And then it was, like... Then she said something like, I feel like a badass. And um, all the comments were, like, you literally could have just had the I feel like a badass clip and I'd go to see the movie. Like, that's all I need. <laughs> Yeah, she looks like a actual boulder in that movie. <laughs> yeah, but as someone, we were talking about, I um I recently got a treadmill for my standing desk, um and I was like, with my plantar fasciitis, I really can only go about thirty minutes. <laughs> Meanwhile, Viola Davis is like pumping iron. <laughs> That's like the weight of us combined <laughs> i know like just like even in the past couple of minutes my, i've got the um so i get some fun inflammation in my joints sometimes and so my thumb is starting to like go numb um so yeah no i will not be starring in a movie that is kick-ass and take names I'm gonna have to be in like a more c- cerebral <laughs> thriller where i just sit in a corner at a desk <laughs> oh um, I would like to just take a moment to say I hate Abraham Lincoln's dreams with every fiber of my being. Oh, yeah. Where he, like, suddenly decides to tell you this scary situation that you think is fact, and then he pulls the rug out from under you and is like, <laughs> it was a dream. <laughs> just kidding. My wife's head hasn't been removed from her body. It's fine. Or, like, when, um, I actually don't think that's part of it, but when the first one where it's, like, his friend is killed and like his guts are coming out yep. but then he thinks and i was like oh my god jack and then i was like oh this was just a dream my emotions were toyed with for no reason thank you yes agreed yeah apparently he is like a mid-key prophet or um <laughs> wait, what's yeah. the, the greek um here like a sibyl yeah. or like a yes yeah all these words <laughs> Because he likes, see, he has a dream about seeing Julius Caesar, and it's like the actor's like, Beware the Ides of April. And he's like, The Ides of April, this fool. <laughs> <laughs> and then he like imagines someone shooting his friend's wife. And then he like. She died like, what, two months later? Yeah. And then his knees, like, twisted the wrong way, and that's what actually happened to Boos, who we didn't mention was a vampire, of oh, course. Yeah. Right, so, if people like Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, what else should oh. they read slash watch? Well, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Yep. We talked about Dark Shadows, the movie. Which is Tim Burton. Yeah, Tim Burton. Uh, his name eluded me. I don't know. Like you said, I feel like this is a very specific genre that like really yeah. had a moment and then it's kind of like gone now. I guess the like the Suki Stockhouse books, they have that kind of like it's in the south, so there's like I think the first one they talk about like the Civil War because they like her grandma has like a remembrance group thing so like that's probably as close as i can get but how about you so i was my first thought was that this is our vampires themed halloween episode so obviously if you are into vampires and if this strikes you as funny because i do think this is supposed to be funny then you would be a good candidate for what we do in the shadows yes original Taika Waititi film and the new series which is much better so good I found myself wishing multiple times like I was imagining some of these vampires as Matt Berry and it really helped me get through oh okay I feel like now that we're doing vampires if you want over dramatic everyone dies uh, <laughs> vampire diaries I'll go vampire academy yes <laughs> 
both a book and a movie and an upcoming series with the person that made uh, Vampire Diaries. So it all comes full circle. These are things that I know about from recommendations, but have not yet seen myself. We got really big into Vampire Diaries in our sophomore year dorm. And then I think I watched it heavily, like sophomore year. And then I was laying in my bed junior year watching this episode. They were like running through the forest. I'm like, why am I watching this anymore? And I stopped. So it was like a, you know, like a really heavy two years for Vampire Diaries. Mm -hmm. And then I was out. It's overly dramatic. Everyone, it's like a soap opera for teenagers, but with vampires and death. More death. Speaking of which, my other thought was it's never the wrong time to go back and revisit the Twilight movies or the books. It's always a good time for that. Um, If the lifestyle of the vampires in this book are your jam, you might be a good candidate for the Lucifer TV series. Not quite vampires, but same genre. And then my last thought is, okay, vampires aside historical the the genre alternative history the great with l fanning is oh awesome alternative i mean like sort of alternative history but like light-hearted history about Catherine the great anyway those are the so i was thinking like like that okay so now what have you been watching this week this week was kind of i didn't really consume a lot of things that were not abraham lincoln vampire <laughs> hunter this week That's fair. but uh oh, the one thing that i did do is kind of a completely different thing so i discovered the youtube series called what's in my bag that Ooh, um yeah amoeba puts out out of uh, los angeles the record store and um i watched the matt berry episode so this is somewhat related <laughs> and it's always related. He, so good he um recommended a band called tennis have you heard of them i don't think so so and then the album name is swimmer and it came out in 2020 and so matt berry recommended it and they played a clip from it and i was intrigued and I have since listened to the whole album, and I think that it is fantastic. If you are curious what my music taste is, this is exactly it. So I've been listening to Swimmer by Tennis. I love that you have the I love that you have the same music taste as Matt Berry. Matthew Berry. <laughs> Me Matt. too. <laughs> he was also into like he was very much into seventies. Like rock and roll, uh, like electronica. It was great. It's a great episode of Amoeba. Yes. Okay, so last week I was disappointed in my lack of things that I had <laughs> consumed, but I feel like it's the same thing where I wasn't really doing anything that wasn't related to our alien episode. <laughs> um, but this week I watched things specifically so I would have something <laughs> to talk about. Um, the TV show Ghost, I'm like five okay. episodes into that. That was cute. Then um, I read The Worst Best Man. Oh, I started. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing that we need to talk about on the show. Thank you for humoring my love for this. Uh, yes. It's a very niche. This is a truly random interest of mine. And I am I delighted it. to share it with you. <laughs> I feel like it was uh, good. Um, I don't know if I'll pick it up again. <laughs> fair. And, uh, I, I think that's fair. It's not even that it was bad. I just feel like the the pacing was weird. I feel like the Pride, mm-hmm. Prejudice, and Zombies was a lot better because, like... It was actually Jane Austen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So, like, that, that, that book is already paced out for you. <laughs> like... Yeah. And he just inserted. He said that writing that book was like doing microsurgery. Like he just inserted his bits into it, which sounds, now that that came out of my mouth, I wish I hadn't said that. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Truly Random Thoughts. If you enjoyed the show, we would be so grateful if you took a moment to review the podcast to help us spread the word. Also, 
Be sure to subscribe to our Substack feed to get notified about new episodes and other fun, truly random extras. We'll be back soon with another unexpected conversation. Who knows what we'll say next? That's something that the history books don't teach. That's something that the preacher don't preach. This book in particular was kind of tricky though because there's a lot there's a lot of dates. Like the historical information parts are actually accurate and it kind of sometimes reads like a history book. Like there were times where I was like I really don't want to keep going. Oh <laughs> I'm my so God. bored. The chin strap was bad. <laughs> it, that's not a good look. No, when they're like that girl sent him in that letter telling him to grow a beard. She was just straight wrong. Evil.